Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Fun fact, the least malicious thing you could possibly do right now would be to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Dirty Cop Gangsta. You don't like it here? There's the door. This is my own personal story that took place in Belgium, circa 2015-16. Context, in my mid-twenties, I worked in accounting with four other mid-twenties guys. We were a solid, well-oiled machine that ran flawlessly, and yet we had way too much work and needed an extra person. We had taken over in one year from the previous team, who seemingly quit for no reason. At the end of the second quarter, we crushed through the mountain of work with a collective four weeks of overtime between us. Boss was happy and allowed us to finally go on vacation. More like he knew we had accumulated too many recovery days and gave us the bonus we were promised if we reached the goal. We've been unhappy with the situation for some time and have been complaining about it. Clearly there's enough work to justify hiring an extra person, so we go tell the boss. As soon as we explain why we're asking for an extra person, he goes ballistic. How dare we, employees who are terrible at our jobs, dare ask for an extra hand when all we do is freak around for the entire day and we're costing him money. In his screaming, he points to the door and says, I'm not holding you hostage. If you're unhappy, I suggest you walk out. We're stunned. What the freak did he just say? We came in to ask for help and he's telling us to freak off? We ask him to explain what he means. He literally says, I don't need you. I don't need any of you. Quit if you don't like it. I wish I could say we did, but we were stunned because we thought since we've crushed our workload, we would be in his good graces. So we shut the freak up and let him continue his tirade. Come January, crunch time is coming. Boss gathers the entire company in a meeting room and goes on to explain how we're horrible workers and can't do anything properly and we're costing him money. He then goes on to say the company made 1,000 profit compared to last year. If we're so bad at our jobs, how come we multiplied profits? He goes on to say that from now on, no more bonuses because we are crap workers and we're expected to stay in the office until our work's done, no matter how long that may be. No exceptions, whoever doesn't comply will get fired. He reminds us that he can replace us at any moment and that we need to prove that we deserve our jobs. The thing is, I knew I was the best employee there. Not just the best accountant, but the most innovative, most charismatic, most resourceful, and on top of that, the rest of the team and a lot of people from the other departments kind of relied on my upbeat, seemingly lighthearted, jokerish attitude. And so, tired of his crap and extremely scared of the mountain of incoming work, I get up and just say, I quit? Boss doesn't understand what I mean and continues his meeting while I go clear my desk. I've cleared my desk by the time he's finished the meeting and while I'm walking out past him, he understands what I'm doing. He immediately starts yelling that I'm abandoning my post and that it's unprofessional and there will be consequences. I'm calm because I already made up my mind. 
We're in front of everyone, including the rest of my team. I simply tell them, Boss, we all heard you say that I'm free to leave at any point because you don't need me. Isn't that right, guys? No one answers, of course, because they're all, boss included, stunned that the nice guy, who's always polite and keeps his head down, is being assertive. Before boss gets a chance to snap out of it, I tell him that he mistook my tact and diplomacy for acceptance, and that I'm only doing what he said. Maybe he should have chose his words carefully next time. The rest of the team quit within three months. They knew where crap was going and they spent their time at work looking for work anyway. The other teams quit within 12 months, and he was bought out within 16 months because most clients had stopped paying and sued him since he had no one to do the actual work. All because he thought I wouldn't comply with his own malicious request. If you have a terrible boss that says, if you don't like it here, you can quit, and you actually call them out on it and start clearing out their desk and they start freaking out, is that a situation where it's okay to basically laugh in their face? challenging them on what they had said? Or do you think it's better to just keep your head down, clear out your desk, and just get out of there? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by CES007. Reimbursement bounced for going over by cents? Cool, I'll spend 20 times that. Worked as a freelancer in a job that almost always required travel. The per diem amount allotted for meals was actually pretty generous, which is needed when traveling. Airports, hotel room service, and touristy areas, if you happen to be stuck there, with no other options, are pricey. But it wasn't a true per day amount in the sense that you could spend however much you wanted per day. You got a certain amount for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, but could transfer the amount between them only if you were buying all three meals in a day. Understandable, since you shouldn't get to spend a full day's amount on one meal if you didn't fly out for the job until late. One meal was easy, the amount allotted for that meal. Three was easy, can transfer between the three to use the full day's amount, but you did have to literally have three receipts to prove it. If you knew you were going to be on site and miss lunch, for example, we found you had to go buy a bag of chips or a banana or something for as little money as you could and claim it to be a meal to unlock the rest of the meal amount to use later. Two meals is where it got hairy. You could only use the amount for that meal and not transfer anything between them since you didn't use all three meals, hence needing to buy something random above if you were truly there all day. Was at the airport at 5am and went to the only place open, a bar and restaurant. Got an omelet and a drink or something and not wanting to stiff the server in the US, tipped appropriately for that region and went about 50 cents over on breakfast. At my next layover, and since most places were open, got cheap fast food and went $10 under on lunch. When I submitted the reimbursements, it was bounced for going 50 cents over policy for breakfast. When I pointed out that I went $10 under for lunch, they said that was the policy, and to remove 50 cents from the expense report in order for it to be paid. And a policy meant to save the company money, I was penalized for saving them $10 because I went over 50 cents. Fine, I thought. Take your 50 cents. From then on, I tried to spend every last dollar of the per diem amount. Even if I wasn't hungry, I'd hoard snacks and things from the airport and take them home to eat later. I'd rather start to spend a few dollars of my own money beyond the per diem to make sure I used every last cent of theirs. I'm definitely with OP on this. It's ridiculous. 50 cents? It's one of those things where you just try to use up every bit of that per diem and you hope eventually, like... Somebody from accounting's like, you're really having an uptick in your per diem usage, what's going on here? 
so you can lay the smack down again and rip into them how you were charged 50 cents even though you ended up $10 under on the per diem for a day. Therefore, you're done trying to save anybody money because if there's an opportunity for them to shortchange you, they're gonna do it regardless. This next story is by Functional Psychopath. Dealership said Sue, so I did. This all started December of last year and just finished last week. So I bought a car from one of those buy here and pay here places. I love the car, it's a Mazda 5 from 2014. Basically the smallest minivan I've ever seen. Well on Christmas, we drove to some family for dinner and celebration. When we went to leave, the car would not start. We checked everything and found out the horn wasn't even connected. Any fuse that wasn't absolutely needed was simply missing and the tires were the original tires. Beyond that, we hooked it up to the computer and had read several errors, but the one getting in the way was the immobilizer. I had never even known the van had one. I called AAA and set up towing, but because we were in the middle of nowhere, AAA couldn't get us a tow truck to us under our membership, free, and so we had to call a tow truck and then submit the bill to AAA after the fact. So family let us borrow their car and the van was towed to a shop. A few days later, and the shop calls and tells us what's wrong. I live in Texas, a single party consent state, and I record all my calls thanks to an app on my phone. The long list of car issues isn't important, the point of this is the van is a basic work van. The only issue they found stopping it from running is the immobilizer is active, and they can't touch it without talking to the dealer. I three-way the dealership in the shop, and we talk for 17.43 minutes. During this call, the dealership acknowledged we were not behind, and everything should be working unless it malfunctioned. The dealership also gave permission for the shop to bypass it, and we would be reimbursed the towing and repairs. All the shop needed to do to get the van running was bypass the immobilizer, and a couple days later, we picked up the van and paid the bill. Both bills came to just under $300, and we started calling the dealership. The first few conversations go well, and the phone rep seems interested in helping. But mostly, I ended up getting tossed around from department to department, and then disconnected. This went on for some time, and I of course took to Reddit to find out options. As almost always happens, Reddit users know some crazy facts and how to get things done. So I followed their advice and kept calling, eventually getting to a supervisor. And the first supervisor said he'd get it taken care of, and we ended the call. Two more days go by, and nothing is heard. So I call back, get tossed around, and then get another manager who says, we are not responsible for mechanical issues, and hangs up. I call back, now quite annoyed, and eventually get back to the same manager. I explain I have all the information and call recordings, including the repair shop three-way call. He cuts me off and says, what, are you going to take us to court over $296.47? I don't think so, but go ahead and sue. We will win, and if that small amount is worth suing to you, you probably don't have the resources to actually sue. This of course made me quite upset. So off to a justice of the peace and explain what happened. They give us a small claims form and explain the process. We can fill it out and pay for a constable to serve the dealership or fill out the paper and take it to the dealership unfiled and explain everything to a manager in person. We chose the cheaper route because the manager on the phone was right. We didn't have the money to have it served, only filed. So we transcribed the phone calls, found out how to fill out the paper. The hardest part was finding the agent. We didn't know what that meant, but we again turned to Reddit and learned. We gathered the bills and all the paperwork and made our way to the dealership's payment center. 
I wait in line and see the name of the manager is the same as the manager on the phone that told me to sue. I wait in line and when it's my turn, I ask to talk to John and he comes over and sits across from me. After making introductions and I confirm it's the same guy, I start to explain the situation again. As I'm explaining, I see when he recalls talking to me on the phone. He starts to dismiss me and I explain that he asked me to sue and I'm here with all my evidence and the unfixed suit, giving him one final chance. He starts to look over the papers and asked if I still had the recordings. I said yes, I could email him a copy. We sit and talk for about an hour as he reads. Then I said with a slight aggravated tone, if something isn't done today, not only am I going to head right back to the courthouse and file, as well as tack on as much for emotional distress and whatever else the clerk hinted at, the clerk was very open-mouthed with ideas, as well as send a copy of everything to every email on the corporate website. At this, our conversation drew the attention of a woman in a power suit who rushes over for a recap. I find out she's John's boss's boss's boss and she's none too happy about how far things have gone. She assured me that all would be made right and gave me her cell number and email. I gave her the papers and left. The next Monday at 8am, I got a call asking if credit being applied to the account would be acceptable. I say yes and she explains that she will credit $500 to the account as payments. The payments are only $155 every two weeks. I agree and we talk for a few minutes when I ask why it took this much just to get things done. She laughed and said, it shouldn't have and certain people are no longer employed at the company. Well today was Wednesday and the day of the payment, but when I went to make the payment it was already done. Thank you power suit lady. Isn't it great how issues can be deflected and downplayed and downright mishandled and then all of a sudden some upper upper person comes in and is like, dear god what are you doing? Knocks over the lower manager and just clears out everything right then and there with super authorization. Good on OP for sticking with it. And our final story of the day is by Lost in Life 1398. You want to talk about our lord and savior? Sure. This isn't me but my father. He was raised in a very Catholic household, going to mass three plus times a week, Sunday school, the whole thing. My grandma always thought he would be a pastor or priest. I don't know, I'm not religious at all. He didn't, he became an academic. He's no longer involved in the church in any way, shape, or form, and from my knowledge doesn't believe in the faith. The man's taken my sister and I to warp to her in a smoke meth and hail Satan shirt with a rubber unicorn head on. Anyways, because of his upbringing and his character, he knows the Bible better than basically anyone I know. Now the story. We live in a pretty mixed religious town with many Jehovah's Witnesses, and they come a-knocking. He answers the door, and they ask the normal question, would you like to speak about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Unlike most, he opens the door and invites them in, giving them a glass of water, saying, sure. Hour or so later, talking and quoting the Bible, they begin to realize that they are outmatched, and they start seeing the other side of the argument, and slowly begin to agree, questioning everything, and then leaving about two hours later, no longer believing in their faith, looking defeated and deflated, they leave, never to be seen again. From what I heard through an acquaintance, they left the church. One of his hobbies is talking to the phone scammers for hours on end, playing dumb, picking up their time as he does his work, ending the phone call calling them horrible people trying to swindle people, and usually getting a freak you click in return. His excuse is, when they're talking to him, they aren't scamming anyone else, and people wonder why I am the way I am. 
All I know is OP's father must have a silver tongue to be able to have these people come into their home and leave feeling convinced that everything they were pitching and spreading the word about is wrong or in doubt. And lord knows, if I have the opportunity and the time, if a scam situation pops up and I can clearly see it, like for example, there's a lot of opportunities of that on Discord where somebody's like, hey, my friend made a game on Unity, would you like to test it? Which is just a message coming from somebody's compromised account where a scammer's actually sending messages on it. I'll say stuff like, oh sure, I mean, five other friends just popped up with Unity games for me to test, but I guess I'll add yours to the list too. Just kind of waste their time and keep going on with them about it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 